Hello everybody and welcome to a very special episode of Bitchin' Brew. Uh, my name's Danny Randon and I will be your host on this podcast about music, life and everything in between. This is episode number 32. I thank you very much for tuning in, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Acar, Spotify... Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thank you very much for tuning in. And I, I say it's a very special episode. I don't, obviously, I don't put episodes out on a weekly basis, or you know, have much of a schedule to this. And and every episode, I I always put a lot of love and attention into, and I always make sure the guests are people that I, I you know, whose whose art and whose work I'm I'm genuinely passionate about, as opposed to just sort of someone who I've a passing interest in. So, um. You know, I I say this is a very special episode. Every episode is very special, but this one is probably closer to my heart than any other episode I've perhaps ever recorded of Pitch and Brew. Um, I'm going to keep the intro for this fairly short because I'm recording this fairly late in the day. I'm pretty knackered, as you may be able to tell by my haggard voice at the moment. Um, But also because I think the recording... Um, speaks a lot for itself, I would say. Um, now, as you may have noticed from the title of this podcast, uh, my guest for this episode is Mark Randon. Uh, some of you know him as Bomber. I certainly do. I know a lot of people do. Uh, but I also know him as, um, as well, as my father. He is my dad. Um, I know this seems very, very weird to someone who may you know, not necessarily personally know me or my dad. It's like, what's this weirdo doing getting his dad on a podcast? But, you know, I'll explain a little bit. Um, I sat down with um, dad back in October and we ended up chatting. He'd never done anything like this before. He, He doesn't, you know, he's been in bands, but I don't think he did a lot of interviewing back in the day. And then, you know, he's, um, He's definitely never done a podcast before, so it it was all very new to him, but, you know, he absolutely killed it. And um, we ended up speaking for pretty much two and a half hours it was really crazy when we looked at the when we looked at the time we realized we just totally lost track and but you know all of it is really good which is why I've split this into like a two-part podcast but um you know obviously he's my dad but he is also he's also like a best mate um, we have so much in common, as you'll learn on this podcast, um, down to our very mannerisms and even like down to, like, I think I inherited my laugh from him. I Listening back to this podcast and, and all the times I'm sort of genuinely laughing, I realised that I do this horrible in-breath at the end of every laugh, this sort of a... <clears throat> You know, I I think I probably have to thank I dad thank for that one too, um. But you know, there's so much we have in common, and I suppose as a sort of a, a main shared interest we have is is music, rock music. Dad is equally fanatical about rock music as I am, and he's had some amazing experiences playing in bands for, you know nearly four decades now he's been playing in bands since the 80s so you know his his sort of his sort of time in bands has spanned four decades he's been in a sort of variety of different different bands in different settings he's been out on tour which is something I've never done I'm very jealous of him for that and he's got some really wonderful stories to tell so 
Um, this this first part of the podcast focuses mainly on that, focuses mainly on him, uh, focuses on you know his bands of past and present, and he tells some great stories from the road. Um, tells a lot of dad jokes. I will warn you that if you if you don't like really cheesy dad jokes, you may want to consider turning off this podcast because you will cringe out to fuck honestly I don't know if that even makes sense but he's yeah he definitely came uh, prepared uh, with um, with dad jokes if nothing else um, but you know all jokes aside this was a really really cool thing for me to do and uh, listening back to this chat I was grinning ear to ear um, throughout so I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to play it all the way through. I'm not going to do that bit in the middle that I usually do, uh, which probably really annoys all of you. I'll see you on the other side of this podcast. Uh, This is Bitch and Brew, episode number 32, uh, with Mark Bomber Randon, my father, and your friend, or soon-to-be friend. Um, And before we dive into it, I'm going to play a song from one of his bands, um, one of his bands of the past. It's a band we talk about quite a lot um, in this half of the podcast. The band is called Water Brats, and the song is called Waiting for the Weekend. Time for 
So I'm just gonna press record and then and then we'll go. <laughs> See, it's funny how now I've pressed record and we've suddenly run out of things to talk about already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pouring my beer. We 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 have to now pretend that we haven't already been here for like two hours. <laughs> okay. Then. okay. <laughs> we've just had a, a lovely dinner, a, a Friday roast. A Friday roast and a chocolate orange. Yeah, chocolate orange, which you saved for Christmas. <laughs> we didn't do a good job of that, did we? You know, we never do. Like, you know, you get a box of Quality Street and it'll be done by Halloween. It spent much longer in Tesco's than it did in our cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you always do that when you buy chocolate for someone for either their birthday or for Christmas, and it's just like. Oh yeah, I can have a little bit. You know, I'll just replace it. I swear we bought chocolate for someone once and had to replace it about four times. I ate your Easter egg once and had to buy you another one. <laughs> you don't know that, do you? No, uh, not until now. There you go. So we so we had a lovely um mm, had a lovely Friday roast and um, a chocolate orange, and we were just sat there listening to. Johnny the Fox by Thin Lizzy. Yes. Classic album. What an album. Lots of funk in it. Absolutely. Um, and now we're just drinking beers. Yep. Y- you are, I must say, you are very on brand right now with, <laughs> with, with your, because you've got, a t- you, you're drinking a beer that's called Lancaster Bomber. You're not from Lancaster. I'm not. But you are, we can confirm that you are Mark Bomber Randon, my biological father for 24 and a half years and counting. How do you do? Very pleased to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we could finally share this moment. <laughs> and you're wearing your Bomber Base t-shirt. It's a, it's a brand. It's, it's an atom bomb with a base headstock on it. So who designed that? Um, it was designed by a very clever lady called Lindsay Wright, who's a local artist. And it's it's an exact replica of the inside of my chest on this T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it is designed by um, a, a very clever lady artist called Lindsay Wright, who's very, very talented. And she does tattoos as well. She's done a She's lot done of your several, tattoos. She has, yes, yeah. She did. Yes. Did you do your Phil Lynott tattoo? She did. And she's um, very good friends with um, Phil's Philip's mother called Philomena. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done some amazing artwork of Phil Lynott and has um, had it exhibited. And she's done my Bevlar tattoo for my beautiful Bevlar. And she did my family one. Who for... who who is here as well? By the way, she's kind of sat in the background. My my lovely <laughs> stepmother, your lovely wife, Bevlar. I don't know if the mic will pick her up, but. Hi. Hi. Yeah, I'm just listening in. <laughs> She's your manager, is that right? She is. Be- Bevlar manages all of the dates in the diary and um, keeps me in check. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I had to talk to your people to make this happen. <laughs> your people, my people. <laughs> but you, you, you've, you've already, before we started recording, made this slightly unsettling by putting a bottle of Jack Daniels and two shot glasses on the table and... And lighten some candles. Absolutely. Although you didn't light the candle that I got you from my recent <laughs> holiday, which I, we'll, we'll take, we'll get this in the picture for the artwork. But it is a, a, a the way you're you're stroking it right now. 
Stop playing with the cock-shaped candle. <laughs> Sorry about it that. It is a bright crimson red chode-shaped candle. It is. It's. it's br- I shall treasure it forever. There was a lovely candle shop. There's very some intricate candles, some lovely designs. Very, very artistic. And I just went. No, I'll just have the one. I'll just have the stubby willy. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, it's just like a willy, only much bigger. And with a wick sticking out <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> so, um, our neighbour actually had a penis extension, and now their house looks really funny. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been preparing jokes? <laughs> well, I've done a little bit of homework. <laughs> You are the human embodiment of the dad joke of the day Facebook absolutely, page. Absolutely. Um, I've realised that's I, that's something I do a lot. I just go, absolutely. A lot of, that's something oh, I've got from you. <laughs> Listening back to editing podcasts, I realised I just go, absolutely, absolutely, man, absolutely. And it's like, oh, geez. now I know where it comes from. Thank you, mate. We so, should play absolutely bingo. <laughs> that's number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're drinking the Lancaster Bomber. Is oh. it what is it? A uh, real ale, an IPA? What 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 are we what are we saying? It's a full-bodied amber ale. It's four point four percent, and it was only one pound twenty-five in Morrison's. So I'm other supermarkets are available. <laughs> no, they're not. They're more expensive there. <laughs> um, Morrison's. And what what are your tasting notes? Um, it's beer. I like beer. It's really good. Cool. That's that's good. No, I do like, I like ale, I like Guinness. I used to hate Guinness. Guinness was a drink, I always wanted to like it and I couldn't get the hang of it. it tasted too bitter and ugh. I realised just recently how much I love Guinness. Mm, mm. I was like, I was just the other day, I was like, oh man, you know what, I'm going to have a, I'll tell you what, it was because I went to go and see Joe Lycett, the comedian at, at the Guild Hall, at Portsmouth Guild Hall, and I was just like, they had Guinness on the bar. Or it was it was Guinness, and the lager they had on tap was Carling, and I was like, you know, I don't mind lager, but I draw the line at Carling, so I was like, I'm going to have a Guinness, I'm going to have a Guinness extra cold, and it was delicious. Fantastic. Mm. Well, what converted me to Guinness was, um, you were you were um, gestating in your mother's tummy. <laughs> Or probably womb, to be more specific. That's, yeah, so this, that's one way of putting it. So this would have been late 1993. And I, I went on tour around um, Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland for a week. Right. And it totally converted me to Guinness. And then all I had to do was get used to drinking the Guinness back over here after a week out there. Because it just tastes like nectar out there. Does it? It's absolutely gorgeous. Wow. And then just get used to it over here, and then I've enjoyed Guinness ever since, since 1993. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm glad that you've acquired that from me, as well as saying absolutely. Well, absolutely. (laughs) I've kind of taken your advice on on the beer tonight, because you don't drink hot drinks after, well, you don't drink caffeine after, sort of, well, the morning, basically. Yeah, I can't drink it after lunchtime or so, midday, one o'clock or so, because it plays havoc with my sleeping pattern. <laughs> and you've got to take care of that at your oh, age. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I only get up five times in the night to have a wee. <laughs> so um, I've gone for the, uh, well, on your recommendation, I've gone for a lovely citrus pear ale called Ghost Ship. It's a good From beer. the Adnams Brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, bold citrus flavours from Citra Hops. And I'll have to agree, it is lovely. 
um, and sort of fruity. Did did I tell you about the the um, I had a, a brute IPA um, uh, in a in a bar last week, and it was lovely. It was um, uh, some good friends over at Signature Brew, not sponsored. I just love their 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 company and their beers. Um, uh, had done a, a collab. They do a lot of artist collaborations. Um, I think even you went to download one year, and I didn't go because you know you're that kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> and you came back from download, and you brought back a bottle of Enter Shikari beer, yep. but the bottle was empty. You fucker. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my fault. That was a signature brew. That was one of their artist collaborations. Oh, okay. So they collaborated okay. with this indie band called Alt J, and I'm not a huge fan of the band. I quite like them, but I really wanted to try the beer because it was basically brewed with uh, like uh, juniper berries and coriander, like coriander seeds, and it tastes, smells, and slightly tastes like a gin and tonic. Oh. It was a wonderful little little can of beer, actually. Nice, Dead. nice. So I've not heard of that one, but the the world of brewing and the world of beer with craft beers and so many independent breweries, I think it's never been in such a healthy state as it is at the moment. Do you, do you vibe a lot with the craft beers then? Do you... um, I like some of them. I don't, personally, to my taste, I don't like stuff that's too fizzy. And as I've got older, I don't like stuff too strong. Not, yeah. you know, I don't know if you've ever been to a beer festival, but there's some crazy gear there. You know, the nine percent stuff. I'm crazy going, gear. Crazy gear. This isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wild, if, man. If you if you ask the bartender really nicely, he he has some crazy gear. Crazy gear kept <laughs> kept underneath the counter for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, in all seriousness, I think the world of brewing is amazing. Um, you know, there's microbreweries all over the place. Um, so it's it's just, it, there's so much choice. I mean, we've got, we got friends live in the road next to ours. Mr. Elston makes amazing beer. Shed Brewery, him and him and a couple of mates, they brew once a month and their beer is amazing. Have I tried Mark's beer before? You have must I? have done. You yeah, must have had it at a barbecue or something like that. It's probably. really good. See, when I was your age, when I was a kid... Homebrew beer used to be these kits from Boots the Chemists, and they tasted rank. They were they, just—they like, still do those. Do they really? Yeah, they still do. Well, it, don't drink them. They—they—they're like toilet cleaner. They were just—they were horrendous, really chemically. And if you drink enough of it to get you drunk, it turns you blind as well. It was like <laughs> horrendous stuff. But beer now is brilliant. Do you remember when I I, I had a, a, an old friend who worked um, at a pub, sort of just local here, just outside of Horsham, called the Bax Castle? Mm. Uh, shout out. The Bax Castle. Um, I, when I originally thought, uh, when it might have been you that said, oh, we're going to the to the Bax Castle. I was like, oh, oh wicked. I misheard because I thought you said we're going to the Bouncy Castle. I was like, <laughs> oh, great, it's just another... It's not just another pub. It's a lovely pub, actually. We're going to the pub. Yeah. Just um, for <laughs> But I had a friend who worked there, and they had a beer inside a festival. And um, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, so I do apologise if I'm repeating myself. But uh, when they cleared out all the stock at the end of the day, a bunch of bar staff went got to go home with some of the, some of the beers that obviously wouldn't keep. And he brought a box of scrumpy over. That me and my mates sort of indulged in a little bit, but we were all like 16, 17 years old at the time. 
and we were only really used to the sort of the fruity ciders of the time, like the Bulmers and the Magnus and the Copperbergs and what have you. So we tried Scrumpy, got absolutely shit hammered off of one pint. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I fell over, I think I fell over my bedpost that night, didn't I? It's all part of you growing up in your education. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Nearly said absolutely again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm glad you recommended... play bingo. <laughs> absolutely bingo. Um, I'm really glad you recommended me the ghost ship because it is a very, very lovely... Um, Lovely brewski indeed. It's a bitching beer. Mm. Shall I pour us a Jack Daniels? I was Daniels? literally going to say, shall we, shall we do our first, our, what I, mean, I assume is our first shot of Jack Daniels. I mean, I'm not promoting all this stuff at all. No. It's, it's evening. It's a bit of father and son time. We're going to a gig it's, tomorrow. Which we is are. Good. We're very excited about that. We're going to go and see the, uh, the long-awaited return of Lonely the Brave with their, with their new singer. I can't wait. I really can't wait. I mean, I think it's a big, big move for them. Um, mm. I mean, everyone in that band plays a big part, but, but um, we, we've had some amazing experiences with them over, what, three years or so? Uh, three years? Like, it must be about four years now. Probably is, isn't it? I mean, some incredible evenings. What a band. But to change singer is a big, big thing for them. It's a huge part mm. of that band, and I'm really looking forward to it tomorrow. This. Yeah. Bearing yeah. in mind, we haven't heard anything in the way of new music or anything no. like that as of no. yet. No. So I'm really intrigued to see how Jack, their new singer, kind of yeah. fits in with the band. So well, here's, we wish you, here's to here's to Lonely the Brave with Jack, their second chapter. Shout out to Wes and everyone at Hassel who do such an amazing job and have a, a wonderful band there. That sounds that sounds good. Kampai. Kampai. Cheers. Jim <laughs> Jim. <laughs> oh, that's not really Jack Daniels. That's just cold tea in the bottle, isn't it? Just to make it look rock and roll. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that cold tea burns. Yeah. So I suppose we should go back a, a, a little bit, and I say back a little bit, probably back to back to the beginning for you. Um, it was nineteen twenty-seven. <laughs> um, in the war, but obviously, Mark Bomber Randon. A bomber, as you're known to everyone, but pro- people are probably wondering why. Why do people call him bomber and probably like fear in the worst? Like I, I must admit, it's pretty bold of you to uh, travel up on public transport sometimes with a t-shirt that just says bomber on it. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all can all considering the the sort of events of the last you know decade or two, but um. Bomber actually comes from. Am I right in thinking it comes from your your sheer love for Motorhead? Um, partly, yes. Actually, the name Bomber originated in a band rehearsal. I'd just bought a, a bass player. I'd just bought a new bass guitar, um, a Gibson Thunderbird, which I absolutely fell in love with, and um, that turned up really loud. Gave this huge thundering bass sound, and our. Uh, our um our guy who was our driver and our roadie and all round good good guy called Merlin he really was a magician he said that just sounds like a bomber coming into land and the name bomber just totally stuck because of this big thundering bass sound and yeah it tied in with Motorhead as well first first sort of it's your first rock gig wasn't it that you went my to? first my first rock gig I went to was Motorhead on the Ace of Spades tour Crawley Leisure Centre nineteen eighty what a fantastic 
Crawley Leisure Centre, rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. It's just houses now, absolutely. isn't it? Yeah, and Motorhead, rest in peace as well, more oh, importantly. Yes, of course. But what, 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 what are your memories of that night, your first rock gig? Um, my memories are um, just being a really excited little kid. How old I were had, you then? Like... Um, so, 17. Wow. So, yeah, I was a late starter, you know, I don't mind admitting that. But things were different back mm. then, you know. So, yeah, my memories were I was totally, totally bowled over by the fact that these guys I'd seen on records and... Remember, this was a time before the internet, right? So things, it really was a very different world. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners won't know pre-internet world particularly. Mm. So, um, you know, the the contact you got with bands were maybe it was sounds back in those days. This is pre-Kerrang as Mm. well, 1980. So you'd get sounds, which was what a weekly mag, which sometimes would put a rock band in there. It was mostly just word of mouth. You, uh, you know, and this was a band I had posters on my wall and we'd, we'd all, you know, none of us could afford to buy all the all the records that you wanted. So we'd exchange and we'd lend things out and everyone would walk around college with records. And, you know, this was LPs because, of course, it's pre-CD as well. So Was it pre-cassette as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was just, just LPs really in these days. And, um, yeah, sorry, so, so getting back to the original question, I was just totally blown away by here was the here were these three guys that I was totally idolising, and this was actually them. And I was in the same room as them. I mean, the room was packed. They were, they were absolutely thunderously, deafeningly loud. So much power. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was a college kid. I, I, I swear for, like, the next four days, like, I was in lessons and people's lips were moving. I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't hear a thing I, well, other than this, dude, going on in my ears. Well, the only, the only, well, the only proper time I saw Motorhead was that time we went to see him at the Brighton Centre. Yeah. Um, and... Well, if you excuse the fact that the sound at the Brighton Centre is appalling. Yeah, it's um, a bit of a sports hall, isn't it? It, it, really? it, was, it was so loud. So yeah. loud. But it's quite clear that Motorhead is, is quite a significant part of your part of your life as you know, as a bassist and just generally as a person. Um you you've had ex- you've had experiences with Lemmy before, right? You've met Lemmy before? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was all you know. Um, you know, up at gigs and stuff. So the first time I met him was up at the old Marquee Club. The old one was up in Wardour Street and was a very historic place. Um, we were, pl- I think it was when we were playing a gig supporting a band called Dumpy's Rusty Nuts, oh. who were a, a, a proper good old biker band. And Lemmy was a mate of Dumpy, and he was there. And yeah, to just be, um, you know, chatting to um, a total icon and hero chatting to him at the bar do, do you remember much of what was said at all um i mostly remember so my mum your granny yeah your gran your my nana, nana IT. yeah she really she she always quite liked the fact i had uh mosehead posters on my wall she really liked the look of lemmy and that, <laughs> which she, is so weird yeah yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> considering yeah, yeah. how yeah, fuck yeah. ugly lemmy was <laughs> you know? well there's i think there's lots of women would disagree with you there he mm. had a certain charm you know uh, I think he good example of making the most of what you got. Um, she she always warts saw and she, warts and all. She <laughs> saw him as this really hunky bit of rough. So 
so mum was up there seeing seeing our band so I, I i remember having a bit of a chat to him being you know doing the whole fanboy thing trying not to make a dick of yourself and making more of a dick of yourself and then um then i said to him hey lemmy my mum absolutely fancies you to death would you would you give her a hug and he gave her a hug and a kiss and he paid her compliments and said, surely, I don't, I can't remember it. It's something along the lines of, surely you're not this guy's mother. You don't look anywhere near old enough. And she, she was swooning in his arms and she would always bring up this story afterwards. And the, when the when the conversation came up, it stayed with her right way through the rest of her life, really. So this is at the, Mar- the Marquee Club, right? Yeah, this is, this is. But yeah, yeah, what a guy. So... The Marquee Club, I never experienced the Marquee Club, okay. the old Marquee Club. Mm-hmm. Is there even a new Marquee Club anymore? No, or? not anymore, no. Because it kind of, the new Marquee Club was a bit, was a wine bar essentially, wasn't it? That, that it's turned into a Weatherspoons pub now, so what, what I call the old Marquee Club, I think it was there from the 60s, it had loads of history, right? And that was in Wardour Street, which is in Soho, mm-hmm. and it was quite, it was... Um, Surprised me how small it was, considering all your iconic bands played there. You what know. sort of what sort of, if you could compare it to a modern day venue? Are we like talking like electric ballroom or no smaller, underworld? Smaller, yeah, underworld type okay. size. But so about four hundred people you could squeeze in there. Yeah, probably probably three hundred. Oh, okay. Underworld size, but without all the pub, without the world's end, mm-hmm. and without all the bit round the corner where you have got the bar and everything. Wow. That, that's how I remember it. Okay. It was basically just a a rectangular room with mm-hmm. a stage, um, a tiny, tiny, um, you know, backstage area, like tiny, as in you put both your hands out and you're touching both sides of the room. <laughs> and then a bar next door with this huge glass window that you could see through, so you could see through to the gig. Mm. And the window just dripped and dripped with sweat. It, it was a total sweat box. It yeah. was all painted black. It was a complete shithole, and I loved it. It was an amazing place. So, so in the sixties, you know, everyone played there. Yeah, like Hendrix and the Who, and it, like, like, yeah. like, it was just, you know, the club steeped in history. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Um, and and you've obviously play, played there. You played there many times. Yeah, well, not many, but yeah, yeah, several yeah, times. Yeah, well, yeah. well, more than several. <laughs> You're not making but this my... any easier, mate. <laughs> No, we did. We 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 played there a few times. Yes, we did. Mm. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess what I realised is, you know, those awkward things that people do when you when you get into a group and like team building exercises and icebreakers. For a long time, everyone said the the standard is, oh, tell us your name and something interesting about you, your claim to fame, if you will. And mine was always, oh, my name's Danny. And my my dad opened for Guns and Roses. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was like, I didn't fucking think of anything else. Now you can say, my name's Danny and I've got a really shit hot podcast. <laughs> I thought you were about to say I've got a really shit podcast. <laughs> no. You bastard. <laughs> um, let's talk about the time you opened for Guns and Roses. Okay, okay. So, yeah, it was 1987. So put it in perspective... Guns N' Roses, it was their first time over here. It was, Appetite for Destruction was recorded. It wasn't released. It was about oh, to release. Shit. Yeah. So they brought out a single. I think it was It's So Easy. Um, they'd just been cover stars on Kerrang! So they were just about to hit. But um, 
the music scene at that time it was big what was called hair metal so it was yeah. mainly crew in the rock world anyway poison, poison and yeah Skid so Row. it was guys in makeup and back combed hairspray hair right. and blah 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 but you know as well as the look the music was maybe not very edgy right okay um and then yeah so we um we were we we were really in the situation we were getting asked to do supports quite a bit of the market at that time. It was quite fortunate. So we uh, asked, um, so Guns N' Roses coming over, they're playing three nights, would you like to do a couple of them? And most of the supports were between us and a band, um, at that time they were called Little Angels, band from um, band from Scarborough, I think they were. Okay. And they were. Uh, is, is Little Angels in this fucking massive CD collection is, you've got here. Is. That's probably why I recognise it. But anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you a bit about them in a minute. Another band people should go and research if they've never heard of them because they were rocking and they did really well. So, <laughs> that was um, very partridge of you. Yeah. You should go <laughs> and research rocking. it. They were rocking. <laughs> should go and pick up their CD. <laughs> so the singer of Little Angels is now fronting a band called Wayward Sons mm. and they're called Toby Jepson. Yeah. Anyway, so... Um, without dragging this story out too much, yes, we supported Guns N' Roses. We did two of the shows. Little Angels did one of the others. Summer of 1987. Um, and Guns N' Roses were awesome. You could tell, wow, they've really got something. They, they were raw. They were amazing. Yeah, The place was packed. And, of course, after that, it took um, it took a year for Appetite to take off. They, it, they didn't just go stratospheric straight away. It took them a long uh-huh. time, and it was around about the time, I think it was when um, Sweet Child of Mine came out as a single, suddenly that with MTV, Dawning, and all those things suddenly came together, but they weren't a sudden overnight sensation, mm. uh, you know, it, it, that they were out on the road, they did a long tour with Aerosmith after, after they played with us, after they closed our show for us. <laughs> Or after we played with them, I guess, is yeah. more accurate, right? <laughs> um, yeah, um, they came back the next time. Within a few months of doing those marquee shows, they came back. They played Hammersmith Odeon. Which is quite the leap. If you're not based anywhere near London, you're looking at basically uh, you know, a small club gig to a big fuck-off theatre. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they did Hammersmith Odeon, then a couple of years later they're back and they're playing on the uh, Monsters of Rock, which is what Download used to be, in old money. (laughs) And um, what kind of struck me as quite surprising is, we've talked about this a little bit before in the past, never really had an in-depth conversation about it. Um, I doubt any, any of them or their people are probably listening to this, but... It's quite surprising to hear that the nicest of the bunch was actually Axel. He really was. He really was. I'll be honest, some of them were complete dicks, like uh, like Slash, and I'm sorry, Bevlar. Bevlar, my wife absolutely worships Slash, and his guitar work is amazing. Um, but he was a he was a, a really, really brassy, spoilt, spoilt little brat. He, he really a was. Bratty, a brassy, spoilt brat. brassy, spoilt little brat, yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of them were just, I don't know, totally off their heads and just a bit of a 
you know, not not kind of funny. In their world, they were probably funny, but they didn't seem that funny. And yet Axel seemed really together and really, really nice. But hey, what do I know? You know, I caught just a tiny, tiny glimpse of them. Um, they, I can remember they, um, they sound checked with um, Knocking on Heaven's Door, cover version, right? And they clearly it was the first time they played it, and they, we had to listen to them playing this bloody song for like three hours. I love it, but when you hear it for three hours, like just getting it right, just kept basically rehearsing it, and then played it for the first time that evening. One more, one more really cool little story, okay? Okay, all right, um, yeah, sure. So um, I said the the um, the dressing room was tiny, so when they came off. Um, all our gear was in the dressing room because there was nowhere else to leave it. So we went in there to grab our guitars and stuff so we could leave and they wouldn't let us in. And we started to get, you know, a bit like worried because well, we had expensive, you know, like, like, you know, expensive guitars and, and our personal thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they just, it's like, well, look, we're not trying to interrupt what you're doing or anything. Can we just get our gear? And they wouldn't let us in. So we, to retaliate, we went outside. They had like a um, like a minibus type thing. We let all the tyres down on their on their minibus. So they reckon they're the most dangerous band in the world. But there you go. Holy shit! Did you not know that? No. Oh well, there you go. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I say we. It was two particular people in the band who shall remain nameless, but. But you know one of them. <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> okay, let's keep them nameless. But, yeah. um, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the, the bands that you played in, actually. So, the first band that you ever played in, was that Monterey? They, yeah, it, Monterey was the last name we had. So right, we, okay. It started off yeah. as Empire. Right? It started off as Mandrake, then became Empire. Mandrake? Mandrake, yeah, what a rubbish name, eh? It's, it's a little bit shit, mate. I do it, it is indeed, yeah, yeah. But we've all got to, you know, develop. Well, exactly. I was in a band called A Few Days Remain, which sounded well cool at the time. And I, I've got very fond memories of my time in A Few Days Remain. But I think about that name now and go, such a shit name. Well, it's kind of a bit depressing, maybe. But... <laughs> AFDR. AFDR, yeah. Sorry, Mandrake, and then so in... Mandrake, yeah. Mandrake became so. I mean, it was like you know we were kids. So it's like started playing guitar at seventeen or something, or learning to play guitar, and it was that, and it just developed, and um, yeah, we became Empire. So when we did the gun around eighty seven, when we did Guns and Roses and some of the other supports with with some of the other bands there, and tours of our own, I think we. I can't remember. We yeah, we were Empire, and then we changed the name to Monterey. Someone stole the name of Empire, with a Y. With a Y. And bastards. Um, not that we had ownership of that. I guess it's a it's a free word, you know. But yeah, so then we changed to Monterey. So that was my first band. Yep. And Absolutely. That, obviously, I know what Monterey sound like, but regale people with was it very sort of. Um, evocative of that kind of time for Yeah, music. it sounded good in the 80s. I'm not sure it really ages too well now. And and to be fair, look, we were we were kind of learning stuff, I suppose. Um, so I'm not sure it's the sort of thing that any of us in that band would still listen to now or be, you know. Right, okay. Um, we... I think um I think because we were young we kept trying to you know we wanting wanting to be other people rather than wanting to be ourselves really yeah 
that was the problem. <laughs> and your hair was still growing out at that point oh, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You still yeah. had the sort of Bonnie Langford <laughs> haircut. Yeah. Before yeah. it got proper big. Before it got proper big and long, yeah. <laughs> Before it got share, yeah. you were Bonnie Langford. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, from Empire, you went into, into Water Brats. So, Water Brats, yes, yes, And that, yes. Was, that was kind of... Well, that was... That had a little bit more longevity than Empire, didn't it? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, I mean, Empire was in the 80s. We get to the 90s, early 90s, and it was Water Brats. So it's the era of grunge, but we were very anti-grunge. Not anti-grunge, we were not a grunge band. We were part of the whole um, Hanoi Rocks, Choir Boys, Rock New and York Roll, Dolls. New York Dolls, that type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we wanted to be. Off the back of Guns N' Roses as well, you know. Oh, yeah. That type of a, that type of a vibe. Water Brats was an amazing band. And, you know, both Empire and Water Brats, I suppose, as, you know, anyone who plays in bands, it's great fun at the time. It leaves you with lifelong memories. And I'm really lucky I've, I've got lifelong friends out of it as well. So, how, how long were Water Brats together for? Um, officially. Well, they probably going a couple of years. Then I joined them. Then I think I was with them for four years, five years, six, six, seven years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a long time to be stuck in a minibus with (laughs) with a bunch of smelly stuff. It gets a little bit. It gets a little bit (laughs) ripe in there. It does. Um, It does indeed. Well, uh, so where does the um, where does your sort of side project from Water Brats uh, tie in the? uh, the brilliantly named Bucket of Shit. <laughs> <laughs> bucket of Shit is um, someone else's idea. Um, Were I've, you in Bucket of Shit? I, no, no, I've not oh, been right, in okay. Bucket of Shit. Bucket of Shit never actually existed. Bucket of Shit was a made-up tribute band that was um, part, <laughs> part, part of someone's mind in a, in a drunken evening. And made total sense at the time. It's it's actually a really good name for a band. So I think I know. Is this is this your good Water Brats bandmate Steve Parker? It, uh, it is. Yeah. You, you, the the guy you would have seen him in the Star Wars film, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> proper. So, for those of you who do, who don't know, um, Steve Parker, Dad's old bandmate, um, and an actor. Fam- famous actor. He's going to hate us for talking about this. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I think you should do it, though. You've started it. Oh, uh, yeah, past the point of no return, aren't I? <laughs> um, no, look, I'm really proud of him. He he got to be in the, the, the Star Wars, The Force Awakens, the, the sort of big comeback Star Wars film, which, in my mind, is probably just about nearly as good as, like, Return of the Jedi. I fucking loved that film. I uh-huh. really loved it. Um, and I heard a lot about the fact that Steve was going to be in it. I was like, oh my God, holy shit, that's amazing. He's like, yeah, I'm an Imperial general. And we see him for literally about all of four seconds in the background. I'm sorry, I'm being really mean, aren't it's I? It's four seconds more than you see any of us in it. Well, exactly. No, I, I, <laughs> I feel like this should come with the caveat of me saying that I am really proud of him, but we did rip the shit out of, of him when, we did. when the film came out. And you put a brilliant photo up. You, you were, so they had a big, you were an HMV and they had a big pile of, um, of pop vinyls, like a big pyramid display of pop vinyls. And you took a photo of it from across the store and then tagged him in it and went, oh, look, they're so glad they finally released your official pop vinyl. There you are, second <laughs> 
<laughs> sorry, Steve. On record, sorry, Steve. Oh no! Look, I, I'm super stoked for him. Yeah, it's it's so cool. He got like who who can say that they got to be in Star Wars? Absolutely not us. So it was interesting. All the guns for the um, what they called the stormtroopers. Yeah, the yeah, guns yeah. are made of rubber. They all bend about. Right. And Steve Parker, they didn't have a hat that fitted him, so they flew one in from Poland for him. There you wow. go. Star Wars trivia fans. That's fantastic. It's amazing, isn't it? I love it. I'm so stoked for him. Yep. It's awesome. And so he was obviously your old bandmate in Watercrafts yep. at the time. And he invented Bucket of Shit. <laughs> which I think is a great name for a band. I can, you know, the T-shirt possibilities are endless. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely! <Yeah>. Bingo, <laughs> bingo. Um, what was obviously touring in the late eighties, early nineties? Now, I'm I'm kind of at the disadvantage with this, where I've never actually been on tour. Okay, it's something I've always wanted to do, and I, I it's something I'm actually looking to sort of tick off my my to do list, not necessarily my bucket list, but my to do list. Next year, rather, Your you know, I'm not of shitless. Yeah, <laughs> um, like either doing merch or, you know, probably not driving because I drive like an old woman. <laughs> yeah. Gigs in Sheffield, and we've got to get there from London today. Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> um, but you've obviously been on tour throughout the late eighties and early nineties, and then. You. When was the last time you went on tour? Um, probably about four or five years ago with drug dealer cheerleader. That that farewell tour. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, did you notice quite a shift in the sort of in the touring landscape and how how touring would kind of work? Um. Yes and no. I mean, it's still it still can be incredibly simple. I think it's um. You know. You can overthink these things. Just you, you just all get your gear. You get in a bus and off you go. And if people turn up, that's great. And if people don't, then you know, no one's going to be hurt. Um, I feel like that kind of does still exist today. Yeah, mm. it's. I think it. I've, it's always been difficult for original bands. It's difficult to find places that you know to play and to get across to people. Right, that's that, that's what's hard. Mm. Um, and I'm, I, I think that's still as difficult. Um, but it's, I, I don't know. I don't know that things have changed for, you know, down our end of it, where it's, you know, we're not professional. We're just doing what we can. Mm. That to me, that still feels the same. I think what's changed massively is the whole industry for the, you know, your professionals who it's their career and, you know, the. That 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 whole area of the industry, yeah, I think that side of thing must have changed hugely. I mean, the the size of productions has changed, so the costs and the the whole mechanics of touring. Did you have much of a production when it came to Water Brats? No, no. Honestly, I mean, everything's done on a budget. I mean, it. You know, we we were getting by on pocket money and student grants, to be honest. So, right. Okay. So in terms of production, it was just where. You know, wear cool clothes and leap up and down as much as possible, really. So that time where I spent my student loan on going out and drinking, <laughs> where I should have really been using it to pay my rent and then ended up in a bunch of shit with my landlord, <laughs> and you had to bail me out, 
really, you use your student grant to go on fucking tour. So go to go drink, but just in other places around the country. It wasn't my student grant. I used someone else's student grant. <laughs> the pocket money was mine. <laughs> um, I, I suppose... I, d- I don't think we could have got through this this podcast, at least, without mentioning our dear friend Ringo. Yep. Who was in Water Brats. Yep. Sort of our best friend. Ringo passed away a few... Uh, is it... Two, three years ago. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. 2015. Yeah. But um, while we're talking about Water Brats and going on tour, he was the drummer in Water Brats. And I don't think I could have done this today without you regaling us with the story of the pint glass. Okay. Can we tell <laughs> sure, this story? Sure, sure, sure. sure. I, I, I've, I always feel like... I, I I hate asking people to tell anecdotes on Bitch and Brew. I've heard them already because it sounds kind of contrived. But this story never ceases to entertain me okay. and, and make me laugh. So we were um, we were out touring. We played, um, I don't know the name of the place. It was some pub, I think it was near Walsall or it was in the Black Country. So over, you know, Birmingham area, maybe to the west of Birmingham. So we played this venue, um, and it was an upstairs room in a pub. And downstairs was packed, and um, something that was always a bit of a recurring theme, we'd, we'd try and um, you know do as much promotion as we could. And we'd send through posters, and we'd try and get adverts out there, and blah, blah, blah. And often we'd turn up at a venue, and they didn't have our posters up. And it was like, well, where's the posters, guys? And, the, and it would always be like, oh, we never received them. And then we'd find them, and you there they bullshit yeah, there, yeah, right? yeah. And there, there, there was our posters still in the envelope, sitting in the kitchen or something like that at the pub. Yeah, and that would happen a lot. So, and and this was one of those nights. So downstairs was packed, but I don't think anyone in the pub even knew there was a band playing upstairs. So it was, it was just, it was just like you know, it felt like we were fighting a losing battle the whole time, really. But can I stop you there? You should really not listen to this story if you're eating. <laughs> Should I say that, for starters? Sorry, continue. Okay. So, so we did the gig anyway, and it was shit, because there was, like, I think I think three... The, it was it was near where Ringo um, originated from. Ringo originated Dudley? from Dudley area. Indeed, indeed. So, I think literally the only people in this gig were his mates who, you know, came along to see him. And, and it's lovely to see them, and that's fine, but it was kind of disappointing... You know, um, and um, I think a couple of other things. I think they probably haggled over paying us what we'd agreed, and blah 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 blah. So we were we were kind of packing up and leaving the place, and we were mightily pissed off. And it was like, Ugh. and then I can remember I was um, walking out the room carrying my carrying my gear out to the van down the stairs, feeling like kind of deflated. And um, Ringo came bounding along the corridor with a pint glass in his hand. And there was this huge brown jobby in... (laughs) Can I call it a jobby on the podcast? Yeah, of course. It was a huge turd. He had gone and done the biggest shit possible in a pint glass. It was... um, it was easily, easily protruding another few inches out the top of a pint glass. That's a this, fucking this, massive this, shit. This, this mm. thing did not look like it humanly possible could have come yeah. out of someone, right? And he's bounding along. I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm like, okay, so what's that all about? He bounds past me into the room and there's an upright piano <laughs> in, in this upstairs room of where we played. He proceeds to open the lid of the piano and deposit the jobby, or turd, into, into, or the, shit. Or shit, into the top of the piano and shut the lid down and then turns around and goes, that'll, te- that'll teach the fuckers. Which, um, I guess... Um, well, well, well. Number one, I hope I hope his girls never never get to hear this story told this way. Number two, it kind of sums up Ringo's attitude to life, I think, and, which which I totally totally um, agree oh, with. Um, so we were all like completely dumbstruck and like, did he really just do that? Okay. And um, <laughs> the funniest bit, and it was one of those you had to be there moments. We decided to try out the piano before we left, so. Imagine one finger on the keyboard going one key at a time, donk, 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 and then all of a sudden it made no noise and the keys just stuck down and didn't return up. And then a bit later, then it started to play again. It's like, oh. I guess you kind of hit a bit of a bum note. Yeah. Hey! Absolutely. Do a lap around the table. <laughs> you said my jokes were bad. Oh, there we go. Sorry. Okay. I had that lot in my head for literally about five minutes. So, when Ringo and Nibs got married, um, I gave my best man speech, and he, he, he was very confident that this story would never surface. And um, I embarrassed him by telling it to all of their wedding guests. Brilliant. In, in intimate detail. Wow. Like, <laughs> Sorry, Nibs. <laughs> um, well, it's like you said, I think that kind of, you know, it's a brilliant embodiment of Ringo's attitude towards life when he was here. Probably not what he wants to be remembered by. No, no, go. I would say. He was, you know, <laughs> well, he gave me my first drum kit. That's, Absolutely. What a legend, eh? Um, yeah, and um, yeah, got a, Lot of love, lot of love for Ringo for sure. Totally, totally. You should play, changing the subject very slightly, you should play the drums again. You know, you are a wicked drummer. Oh, thank you, mate. I, you know, I really should. Um, yeah, I, I do miss playing the drums. And, um, are we gonna have another shot? Let's let's drink to you one day playing the drums again. All right, and um. And to Ringo. To Ringo. And let's widen it a bit to everyone to do cheers to their best mates. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. And I'm so glad I get to share that shot with you, my best mate. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So we talked a lot about the bands from the late 80s, early 90s. Actually, we should talk about the brief Water Brats reunion. Um, <laughs> okay. At the, what was it, 2009, 2010... Um, you got to appear on James May's Man Lab. Yes. Was it called? What a shit name for a TV. It just what runs a, off the a tongue. shit name for a TV show for a shitty twat of a person with a floppy fringe. Yes. And yes. We were on James May's Man Lab. Yep. So how did this come about? It was a, it was a, a sort of it was almost like a magazine show, wasn't it? About manly yeah. stuff, which is it was seems like such bullshit in this day and age, you know. So um, it was a uh, it was a uh, hey guys, when you if you were in bands years ago, do a one off um, reform, come and come and play a showcase. We'll choose the winner, and the winner gets to go and play the High Voltage Festival. In um in Victoria Park, yeah. So High Voltage Festival ran for two years, I think, 
it's now the Rambling Man Fair. What's become the Rambling Man Fair that that happens mm. in um, in Maidstone in Moat Park. Um, so it was a a, te- a televised thing. So we um, we applied and we got there. So we all have to go. Um, as an aside, through um, I think three of the five of us were camping. At we, the were new we were in the new forest. We were, we were... We, yeah, we were all in the new forest. Our annual pilgrimage to the new forest. Where we'd all get bollocks in a field and <laughs> sleep in tents and stuff. So Steve drove all the. Steve got up at something like three o'clock in the morning. This is Steve, the actor person. He drove because he he was he was the whole driving force between this. Uh, so sorry, behind this, bless him. He he he'd got us this thing and it was TV and it was fantastic. So he got up at three in the morning, drove down, picked up three of us from the New Forest, drove us all the way back to London. So we arrive at this pub in Camden at 7am or something and James May's poncing about and being a bit of a prat um, and yeah we did it and um, you, you all have to take turns at going upstairs and recording we were the first ones and then it's like well could you come back in about 8 hours time because <laughs> we're recording all the other bands so what when, when you're with your mates that you you know you don't see as much as you'd like to and you've just played, you know, a gig at like eight o'clock in the morning or something. What do you do for eight hours around Camden? So we just went and got completely shit-faced. Except for Steve, because he was driving us back to the New Forest <laughs> later that night. And he just so happened to be the person who really cared a lot about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so we ended up coming back for the, the wrap-up session and the kind of results and everything. It, it, well, extremely... Wobbly. Yeah. Uh, what I suppose that's um, where Bomber Base kind of stems from, from you having to say your name and what you played in front of a camera. We had to do these, I don't know what they're called in the TV world, these sound bites. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, what they wanted it for the credits or something. Um, so they just, one by one, individually, they said, say your name and say which instrument you play. Like, okay, okay. And they're filming, they're filming us, and everyone was doing it, and it was fine. It got to me, and I went, my name's Bomber, I play the bass. And they went, no, cut, cut, cut. I said, what's wrong? They said, no, say your name, and say what instrument you play. I said, okay, okay. I said, Bomber, I play the bass. And they're like, no, 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 no. Just literally, just say your name, and just say the instrument you play. And it took you like five times or something, and I really, really (laughs) didn't get it. And I was wobbling about a bit. And finally, finally, I got it. And they say, okay, last go, last go. And I just went, Bomber, bass! (laughs) And then then proceeded, I think, to fall over on the pavement. (laughs) And that's where it comes from. There were two very definite full stops there. Bomber, ass, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the bands that you're in now, Ooh. because I th- I think it's quite rare for someone to go. Oh, my dad's in a band. My dad's cool. He's in a band. <laughs> Dad, how many fucking bands are you in these days? You're in like seven hundred thousand bands. Bevlo, how many? Five. Five. You're in five. Five. I've told you a million times. Don't exaggerate. <laughs> it's five. Um, I suppose the one that's been around the longest of your of your current bands is is your ACDC tribute, Bad Boy Boogie. Absolutely. Um, probably the most important band to you besides Motorhead, would you say, Bad Boy Boogie? 
ACDC or Thin Lizzy? ACDC, Thin Lizzy, Motorhead, Pink Floyd, White Snake. It's difficult. You can't just have one, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly DC are up there in my top five bands ever. So mm. yeah, playing in a tribute band. And we've been doing Bad Boy Boogie. We, I mean, we, you know, we play infrequently, but just a few times a year. But we've been doing that for 20-something years now. Mm. So I play Malcolm in Bad Boy Boogie, yeah, rhythm guitar in that. Yeah, it's yes. the, I suppose it's the, the classic lineup, isn't it, uh, in terms of... Obviously, ACDC is, is now... It's just... Um, it was essentially just Angus. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... it's Yeah, it's interesting what's going to be happening. I mean, there's lots of talk with Angus and Axel make an album together. I think they've probably... Will Broco come back yeah, or, you know... Yeah. And and obviously yeah. Malcolm not here with us anymore, but yeah. um, even though you do play sporadically, it seems like whenever you do Bad Boy Boogie, it is a massive party. It's fantastic, and I love it. And we've all been mates for many many years, and they're, they're all they're all fantastic guys, you know, all top top guys. So we had a rehearsal this week. Actually, it's first time we've re- first time we'd all got together. We played. When did we play File Fest? That was May, and what is it now? October. Yeah. So it's the first time we got together for several months. And we've got one rehearsal, we've got a gig in a couple of weeks' time. Um, we just all get better together, we have a laugh, and then we just get playing, and immediately it's got that groove. I mean, DC music's just, you've got to get it right, you've got to oh, get yeah. the groove. And we've got, we've had two amazing singers. We've got Bun, who's um, now off singing with Chris Slade, who is the drummer for ACDC. Yeah. So he's got an amazing gig there with Chris Slade's timeline. He goes off and plays festivals and goes all around Europe and he's doing amazing stuff there so um, we've got our original singer back Stevie Weaver so Bun's um, more of your Brian Johnson a real belter and this amazingly high voice real screecher real screecher and uh, Stevie Weaver's more your Bon Scott um, he's a he's an amazing drummer Bon Scott was did you know Bon Scott was a drummer no before I he didn't. was a singer see so I think I think I think that's why Bon Scott sang how we always sang because he was a drummer. He's got this real, real, real weird rhythmical thing to mm. the way he sings. And Stevie Weaver, I think, because he's a drummer, it, you shut your eyes. It's just like having Bon Scott in the room. It's amazing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's Bad Boy Boogie, the ACDC tribute. Is this where I do all my shameless plugs and yeah, websites pretty, where you buy? Pretty much. And... I mean, we've still got loads to talk about, but oh, I okay. suppose we could do like a, a short interval plug kind no, of second. You, no, you, you can always edit this bit out anyway. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, and then um, uh, you've got. So, yeah, sorry. So I've, I've got covers bands and I've got originals bands. So yeah, Bad Boy Boogie is the tribute band. Um, we've got we've got a great great covers band called Flesh Tuxedo. So we play locally around the the clubs, and or the pubs around here. Flesh Tuxedo. Flesh Tuxedo. <sighs> Jesus. It's, it's weird enough to them for yeah. My dad's in a band. Yeah, my dad's in a band. It's called Flesh Tuxedo. Well, there's a Spinal Tap reference there. Hopefully, for the people that, that like Spinal Tap. The question is, are you going to play Stonehenge tomorrow night? <laughs> no, no, we're not, not going to fucking play Stonehenge. Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah, we got two two of the guys in the band. One of them's like fire, and one of them's like ice. And I like to think I'm the one in the middle, like lukewarm water. <laughs> 
<laughs> Hello and welcome to Bitch and Brew Podcast in our tribute to This is Spinal Tap. Um, yeah, so Flesh Tuxedo. So we play all classic rock covers. Got, got. Again, we're a four-piece, amazingly talented guys, all, all, except me. I mean, I always black it, but um, we've got, got long, long Man, who's a complete legend of a drummer. Little bro and little Dave on guitars and vocals and vocals and guitars and it's just phenomenal. I love doing that. Um, I I've really got into original music. So well, tell me about High Octane Junkies first. Okay, so High Octane Junkies is the other covers band and it tends to do. Um, it does a bit of the punk, a bit of the glam, and a um, bit of rock stuff as bit well. Bit of really. everything. So a bit of everything. Yeah. A bit of everything. Normally all at the same time. Dave's playing a bit of rock. So that's little Dave I'm from <laughs> Flesh Tuxedo <laughs> yeah, is also yeah. in. Dave's playing a bit of rock. James is playing a bit of glam on the drums. Stu's playing punk because that, that's all he plays. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sort of, do, you know, coasting do, doing along, up, doing up my trousers because they, because <laughs> they just fell down. <laughs> Whether you meant them to or not. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you've got Voodoo Lake now. So Voodoo Lake, so that's very much Dave Strange's baby. It's Dave Strange's Voodoo Lake. I'm a I'm a hired hand on that. Um, so no, but in all seriousness, getting back to doing original music again after many years of doing um, covers, it's really 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 good as well. So it's great to do both. Um, so yep, yeah, Voodoo Lake is a very um, sort of blues based rock power trio. Yeah, I'm absolutely loving that. And I've seen you do Voodoo Lake once and. You killed it, so... Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Didn't mean to kill it. I was killing it a good thing. Yeah. Must be young person's jargon. Yes. Don't get it. Is it like rad? Yeah. Lit. Amazeballs. <laughs> Can you say stuff like that anymore? I mean, I'm Mate, still catching up. It was brill. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> groovy. You're a, you're a cool dude. It was cool and groovy. Um, And then... And then I suppose got... the P. I love all of the bands that you're in, but I suppose the the piece de la resistance, if you will, is is the Soho Dukes. So Soho Dukes, yeah, yeah. And, and that's no slight on any of your other bands, of course. But, but it's it's just that it's full circle. So Johnny Barracuda um, is the singer of the Soho Dukes, and Johnny and I were in our first band together. We both learnt to play or hear him to sing. So this is back in Mandrake days. Right. So we've been lifelong mates, and um, you know, and it's just wonderful to be in a band with him and be writing songs again. And um, um, him and Colin have written Colin. Colin is the Duke, and they've written most of the songs. And then the rest of us have come along. Myself, Age the drummer, and Sai the um, Sai the lead guitarist, and we just just love what we do. Yeah, and it's it's. Oh, sort of. It's got a slight concept to it. So the, the the name kind of gives a gives a little bit of it away. The the Soho Dukes, obviously. I understand that Johnny wrote all of these songs specifically with the sort of concept of London. Yeah. In mind. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's that. That was the original um, thing with the Dukes. That like each song um, highlighted or made reference to London within it. Um, I mean, it's expanding as we go because, um, you know, it's broadening. Um, we try to sort of all 
Uh, we, we, we just try to come across as a as a, a proper old school band, really, in many ways. I mean, we all like sort of old stuff, and it does sound a bit like old faces and that type of rock and rolly type thing. Mm. Um, we like to dress up a little bit so that it just puts on a bit of a show and that sort of thing, really. I, I really, I, that's what I really love about the Soho Dukes is it's kind of, it's aesthetically pleasing, mm. I suppose. And you've released a couple of demos already with 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 the Dukes, but um, you've been, and this is awesome, you know, when I think about this, you've been in the studio with the Dukes recently. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and working on a debut album. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. If, yeah. Um, in fact, with both bands, with Voodoo Lake, we've um, put down um, an EP. Um, with Soho Dukes, yeah, we've recorded an album and the plan is to get an album out with Voodoo Lake as well soon. So, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, uh, you know, um, as I say, personally, you know, recording, it, it's really weird. Any Anyone who plays any sort of music at all, the, the whole live thing and then the whole recording thing are two totally, totally different worlds and two totally different headspaces. And I love both of them. And the recording thing I haven't done for a while, so it's just been brilliant to be back doing it again. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. I'm out of beer. Right. Shall we get some more Shall we do, Shall we, we, we get... Shall we hit pause, get a beer, because I need to make room for some beer. Okay. Brennan's got a pee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so when we come back, can we talk about my childhood? Because um, when I was a kid, um, I used to walk the plank a lot. And that was because we couldn't afford a dog. <laughs> oh, gee, I don't even whether he went through a second part after this. That was fucking shocking. I oh, know, it's great, isn't it? Right, let's get another beer. Okay. All right, so that's the end of part one of my chat with my dad, uh, Mark Bomber Randon. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Honestly, um, you're yet to hear the best bit. Um, part two, we talk a little bit more about me because I'm awesome. Um, <laughs> we talk a little bit more in all seriousness about sort of our relationship as father and son and as friends and, you know, our shared relationship with music and and all the sort of, uh, you know, talk about how I kind of grew up and how he introduced me to music and how that's always been very important to our relationship, um, especially in the last few years. I know a lot of people have seen us together at gigs. Yeah, he's actually coming down this uh, on the week I'm recording this uh he's coming down this friday and we're going to go see phil campbell and the bastard sons in portsmouth which is going to be a lovely night out and i know loads of mates have seen me with my dad at gigs before so much so that i've turned up at gigs and festivals before and uh you know if you're listening you know who you are i've had people come up to me and ask oh hey man how's it going wait where's your dad and it's just like oh you know i can go to gigs without him but i do love going to gigs with him don't don't uh you know, don't don't take that the wrong way. Um, I'm blabbering on a bit here. I'm going to leave uh, everything else to the second half of um, this podcast, which will be coming out next week. Um, this time next week, if you're listening to the, the day it's coming out, if you're listening on Wednesday, uh, it's going to be out on uh, the following Wednesday. Um, unless you're listening to this a little bit further down the line, then you can go and check out the second part now, and I highly encourage uh, you to do so. Um, 
Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Bitch and Brew Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or Acast or Spotify. We recently went on Spotify. I mean, whatever platform you choose to listen to, those are the four official platforms. But, um, you know, I know it goes out on several other platforms. So whatever you're listening on, uh, be sure to subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, a little uh, a little review really helps me sort of uh, climb ever so slowly up in the rankings, the podcast rankings. It's a highly competitive industry, but you know any kind words that you have to have to share uh, will obviously be obviously be hugely appreciated. Um, we're on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. And that's about when I say all the socials, it's just kind of those three. Um, So I'll leave all the links in the description for you to go and do that. And I think that is about it. Right. Cheers, everyone. That was part one of Bitchin' Brew episode number 32 with Mark Bomberandon. And I'll see you for part two next week. Cheers. (laughs) 